Good morning. So uh, it was really nice to be able to stand over here with my family and um, participate in our worship time the way all of you do. Um, band, uh, musicians, vocalists, that was awesome. Uh, great, uh, great opportunity to, to worship today. Mary Beth actually preached a little sermon. Um, no, 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 no. Um, I was standing out there and I told my wife, I was like, man, that was great. Uh, she just preached a little sermon, and I don't even really think I have to go up and talk today, but we have <clears throat> we have like 25 minutes, right, that we have to fill up up here, um, so I guess I should say a little something, um, but Mary Beth, thanks for letting God uh, speak. I know, I know. <laughs> well, God is... Um, good and powerful, and uh, we do have at our disposal a power that we don't often uh, tap into or understand. If you have a version and you're following along with us today, there are a couple of things in there that I want to make sure personally that I mention to you. Uh, we have a couple of uh, part-time job positions that are opening up at the end of this year. One of those is the administrative assistant, trying not to call that a secretary anymore. I guess that's like not really a politically correct term to use. So um, we're going with administrative assistant uh, and also a custodian. Um, those positions are going to be open. They don't pay a lot. Listen, we don't have a lot of money to pay. Um, but they are positions that we do need to have filled. And so if you're a Uversion user, you can actually click on a link inside Uversion that will show you the descriptions of those two positions. If you're not a Uversion user and you're like, I'm not really into the digital thing, you can stop by the information desk back here in the lobby, and whoever is manning that information desk can actually give you a paper job description. So you can look that over if that's something you might be interested in. Wendy is moving on to um, bigger and greater, maybe not greater, but other things. She has to make a living, and this these jobs don't pay enough for somebody who has to make a living on them. Um, so if you're looking for a full-time job to pay all your bills, don't apply because this will not get it done. Right, Wendy? Now, God's powerful, right? I guess I shouldn't say that. Um, yeah. 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 And so, listen, so we want to let you know that if, if you're someone who's, like, looking for something to, to fill some time and you need a little bit of extra income or whatever, this, this might be a, a fit for you. Or if you know someone who might be looking, um, take a job description and kind of pass that along to them and, and let them know. Uh, but that's something that I wanted to make sure that I talked to you about this morning. Now, last week, if you were here, I told you that I was going to do a one-off sermon called Watch Where You Sit. And then halfway through that sermon, I got a little carried away and talked way longer than I planned to and didn't finish the sermon that I had planned to talk to you about. So here's what I did. I actually decided to make it a two-part um, so I can finish it this week, because there's a really important part of it that I didn't get to last week, and I really want to make sure I get to it this week. And for those of you who, um, who were here to hear me last week, I want to clarify just one really, really important thing. Um, I had a lot of people this past week um, contact me and say, how can I help? What are some things that, that I can do? And I appreciate that, and I'm really going to look for ways and um, and see what we can do to, to plug people in to, to try and help. Um, for those of you who weren't here, I talked a little bit about some 
loneliness issues and being a, a single staff pastor. Um, and I feel like um, over the course of the week, one of the things that God kind of, of put on my heart to say this week was, I appreciate all of the, the, the love and the appreciation and all of those things. But I want to make sure that the message that I was trying to get across last week was this. That in spite of difficult circumstances, because all of you deal with difficult circumstances just like I do. I didn't want that to be a feel sorry for your pastor sermon. I wanted that to be a, in spite of your difficult circumstances, you can choose to sit on top of those circumstances or you can choose to sit under them. And I want to make sure that in spite of everything that we talked about last week, that that's the message that you walk away with. That you walk away with the message that there are going to be times in your life where circumstances are going to be difficult, right? There will be tremendous difficulty at times in life. And so in those moments, we get to choose. We get to make a choice. And so what I want to do, for those of you who weren't here last week, I want to recap just a little bit, not in depth, but just a little bit, so that the rest of my sermon will make sense to you today. We started off last week by talking about we get to make a choice where we're going to sit our soul, where we're going to sit our soul. We talked about a passage in the New Testament where Jesus has been um, crucified and buried and resurrected. And there, there's this instance where the Bible tells us that the angel of the Lord came and sat on top of the stone that had been rolled away. And we talked about how that angel sat on top of the stone. That he didn't stand beside the stone, he sat on top of the stone, sitting on top of something that was supposed to be a symbol of Satan's power and victory over Christ. Sat uh, the angel actually sits on top of that stone. And then we talked about another story from the Old Testament where Elijah has just had this great victory at Mount Carmel, and he actually is given power by God to run ahead of um, Ahab back to Jezreel. And he gets there, and Jezebel kind of threatens him a little bit. Well, not a little bit. She basically says she's going to destroy him, okay? And Ahab, who's just had this miraculous victory, God has showed up in this really cool way, gets threatened by this queen and is fearful for his life. He's afraid. And so the Bible tells us that he runs a day's journey into the wilderness, and he sits down under a tree and asks God to just take him home. And so as much as there is in Scripture to love about the prophet Elijah, in this instance, Elijah chooses to sit underneath of his circumstances. He chooses to allow his circumstances to be greater, not recognizing the power of God that has been with him in huge ways just within the last day, the last 24 hours. And he chooses to sit himself under his circumstances. And so... Last week, we shared with you, you get to choose. You can either sit on top of your circumstances, or you can sit under your circumstances. But you cannot do both. You have to make a choice. Am I going to sit under my circumstances, or am I going to sit on top of my circumstances? That's a choice that we all, individually, get to make. And then we moved on and talked a little bit about the idea of understanding that it's important where we choose to sit, okay? But it's also important to understand that we have to save a seat for the right emotions in our minds. So we talked about this idea of having three brains. We talked about having like 
a, um, an involuntary brain, a survival brain that controls all of your involuntary systems in your body, like your, your heartbeat, your breathing, your, your organ function, all those things, that you have a logical brain, okay, that controls decision-making and reasoning, and then you have an emotional brain as well. And we talked about how um, scientists way back in the 50s started calling this part of our brain our seat of emotion, okay? And so we talked about how we have to understand the importance of saving the right seat, saving that seat for the right emotion and the right time. And so that can be difficult sometimes. We actually used the illustration of Forrest Gump when Forrest was a kid and he got on the bus and he went past all these kids and everybody looked at him and said, I'm sorry, the seat's taken, okay? And we use that to illustrate this idea that there are going to be times in your life where negative emotions are going to come into your mind and ask for a seat, right? How how many of you have been there? You've all been there. You all have this happen. And so we not only only get to choose if we're going to sit on top of our emotions or on top of our circumstances or underneath them, but we also get to choose which emotion are we going to let take that seat of emotion in our mind. So when fear creeps in, you get to choose whether or not to say, okay, fear, take a seat, or I'm sorry, this seat is saved for something else. Insecurity, anxiety, right? There are so many things. Anger, resentment, bitterness. There are all these emotions that can come creeping in, and they can jump in, and they can say, hey, I would like to sit here. And what you get to do is take a look at it and say, I'm sorry, but this seat is taken. And so that's one of the things that we talked about last week. Where you sit your soul on top or underneath your circumstances matters. And then which emotion are you going to allow to sit in that seat of emotion in your mind? Because I think you all have experienced this at some level in your life, that when you allow certain emotions to take a seat in your brain, what does it do to your decision-making ability? Right? How many of you have made a decision and looked back on it and thought, why did I do that? How many of you have done this? I wish I could say that there's never been a time where I was having a conversation with my wife or my children, right? And I didn't look back on it and think, hmm, why did I say that? that way at that particular point in time. Any of you can relate? Right, like this morning maybe on your way here? Some of you are like, yeah, actually, now how did you know? And so here's the reality though, right? In those moments when anger says, I would like to sit here, and you say, you know what, I'm feeling you, go ahead and take a seat. And then you look back and you think, oh, that's why I yelled and screamed and act like a three-year-old, Right? I'll give you an example. Church, this is real. I had to drive through McDonald's. I don't know if you're, some of you are thinking, well, that's your first mistake right there, right? I drive to McDonald's to pick up something for lunch the other day, and I get in the drive through line, and you know McDonald's have two lines, right? Most of them anyway. Okay, there's two speakers, two lines. I sit there, I pull up to the little speaker thing, and I wait patiently for my order to be taken. And I'm noticing that the other line, to my right, three cars have gone through and had their orders taken while I sit and wait patiently. Okay? A fourth car gets their order taken. And so I lean out and I knock on the little speaker thing and I say, can someone please take my order? There's no response. A fifth car drives by the other speaker and there's a little guy who's taking the trash out 
poor kid, right? I yell out my window, and I'm like, can you get someone to take my order? He's like, okay, right? So finally, now you all know how McDonald's works if you've gone through this drive-thru. Once you get in the drive-thru line and there's car, you can't get out. Y'all know what I'm talking about? So finally, as if God came down from heaven, a spot opened up, and I gunned my gat, and I mean my tires are screeching. And I whip through there, and I pull into a spot, and I get out of my car, and I walk in there, and I'm like, is anybody working here? That, I totally did that. Now, some of you think, why are you telling us this? Because I allowed anger to take the emotional seat in my mind. Now, I, I literally had to go and apologize to the little girl who was taking orders. Because I was like, yeah, my order should have been taken like 15 minutes ago. What, is there anybody here? Can anybody at least acknowledge that I was wronged? Like all they say is, well, somebody's back there taking orders. Okay, well, that doesn't help me, right? You know what I'm saying? So in this moment, of, I feel totally justified in letting anger take that seat because I was wronged. And then I was like, God came, kind of came down and was like, dude, what are you doing? You're embarrassing me. Right? And so I went to the girl after I had placed my order. I went back up and I said, listen, um, I'm really sorry that I, you know, was a little bit rude. Okay? That's not typically how I choose to handle things like this. I hope that you'll forgive me. And, you know, I did not say, I'm sorry that I allowed anger to take my emotional seat in my mind. Because she probably wouldn't have understood what I was saying. But you see, church, there's a reality that this stuff happens to us, okay? It happens to all of us. So the the idea is not that we become these perfect people who never struggle with these things. But what we do need to understand is this. God wants to give us the power. He has the power. Mary Beth talked about it earlier. To deliver us from these things. And some of you are thinking, well, if my own pastor can't do it, why in the world should I try to do it, Okay? I'm just telling you that this happens. And when it happens, we recognize that it happens. We make it right, okay? And then we say, okay, God, I need to learn from this. I, I, I want to do this better the next time. Now, I used to do stuff like that all the time. When I, like, as a driver, I'm terrible at, like, pulling up on people when they pull out in front of me. And I want them to pee their pants. I come up on them so fast. I'm like, you don't pull out in front of me like that. This is what you get. That's my, the human part of me. Now, I'm getting better about that. I'm not getting as upset. I don't blow my horn as much as I used to, okay? Like, God is slowly helping me get that, okay? But here's what I want you to hear today. There's, there's one thing I want to close with today, okay? Yes, we have to sit on top of our circumstances and not underneath them. Yes, we have to tell our emotions if they can have a seat, if they can take that seat in our emotional brain or not. But what I want to talk to you about today is a little bit even more important than that. And I want to start by saying this. I can remember um, my daughter some time ago was looking for tickets to go see, what was that we were going to go see? Uh, Dear Evan Hansen, right? right? And so I was like, you know those are going to be kind of expensive seats, right? A little pricey. So we got online, we started looking and realized we are just too poor to go see Dear Evan Hansen. 
right? Maybe one day it'll come out on Netflix or something, who knows? And we'll get to watch it that way. But as I was prepping for, for this sermon this week, I, a thought hit me. And I thought, I wonder what it would have been like, how much I would love to have been able to say to Esther, you know what I'm going to do, Esther? I'm going to get you seats in the orchestra section right up front, right? And they're only like, I don't know what, $3,000 or something like that. I can take out a second mortgage on my house, and we'll go see Dear Evan Hansen. Not quite, right? But I tried to imagine what would it be like if I had spent $3,000 on one, count them, one ticket to see a musical, and we pull up in there, and we go to our seats, and Esther says, you know what, actually, I think it would be better if we just sit way up in the balcony up there in those seats that only cost like $32, behind a post where you can't really see anything. I'll at least be able to hear it. I would be like, I'm sorry, I spent $3,000 for us to sit in the orchestra section. And she's like, yeah, I know, Dad, but that was probably a mistake. I don't know if we really should have done that. I'd be just as happy sitting up here in this section. Now, I want you to imagine that you are in that situation. You've spent $3,000 for a ticket, and the person you bought it for says, nah, it's not a big deal. Let's just, just sit up there. How many of you would be like, what is wrong with you? Would any of you think that way? Like, you get tickled. Any Bengals fans in the house? Browns fans? Whatever fans, Ohio State fans? Somebody gets you tickets on the 50-yard line, first row. And you walk in the stadium, you're like, no, let's sit in the end zone, like 50 rows up? They'd be like, what? What is wrong with you? Why would you do that? Now, all of you are sitting here thinking, when you buy a ticket in the end zone, 50 rows up, where do you want to sit when you actually go into the stadium? On the 50-yard line in the first row, that's where everybody wants to sit. Maybe not the first row. Maybe some of you have trouble seeing down that low. So maybe you're 10 rows up or whatever it is. But that's where you want to sit. Now, here, here's the reality. I want to read you a verse. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 6 through 9. Ephesians 2, 6 through 9. God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Now I want to read that again. What does it say God did? He raised us up and then did what? Seated us with Christ in the heavenly places. In order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace we have been saved through faith. This is not from ourselves. It's the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. Now, why does that matter? You're thinking, what does that have to do with anything? Here's what that has to do with everything. God has bought you a ticket on the 50-yard line in the front row. God has bought me a ticket in the orchestra section. That's the ticket that I have. And so I ask myself, why do I choose then to go in and sit up in the nosebleed seats behind a giant beam where I can't see anything? Why is that the seat that I choose to sit in when God has given me this great seat? Y'all follow me. And so I wonder sometimes, what does God think of my stupidity? When he says, do you see the ticket that I bought you? Do you see the ticket that I bought you? Why are you sitting Church, that's a, that's a difficult thing to think about, that 
I'm taking God's sacrifice and basically saying to him, I don't care. I don't care about the seat that you bought me. This is the one that I'm going to sit in. And then I'm going to moan and groan and complain and gripe about the seat that I'm sitting in. I can't see anything from here. Well, your seat is way down there. Why are you up here? Well, because I'm comfortable in my seat. I don't want to have to get up and walk all the way down there. My church, can can you see how we do this? This is what we do. And it's not just you that does it. It's me that does it. When I speed out of the drive-thru line at McDonald's and whip into a spot, I'm choosing to sit way up in the nosebleed seat. And then I'm complaining about it. And God says, I bought you this great ticket. Make sure that you choose to sit in the seat that I got you. Some of you are here today. And like, I, I'm sure Mary Beth didn't know what I was going to talk about today because I haven't told anybody what I'm going to talk about today. But some of you are here and you're seating, you're seating, sitting, seated, okay, in the complacency section, right? You're sitting in that section that says complacency where you're just kind of going through the motions and you know that you have this power that God wants you to tap into, but you just won't. And it might be because you're afraid, it might be because you're anxious, but most of us, the real reason that we don't want to do it is because we don't want to be inconvenienced. We don't want to have to say no to other things that might seem more important, but at the end of the day, we know really aren't more important. But that's hard, right? See, this is what that's like. That's like I took an elevator up to the 300th row at the top of the stadium, and it, wasn't, it didn't take me any work to get there. I'm seated in the seat. I can't see anything at all. But the idea of having to walk down 300 flights of stairs to get to the good seat is just too much for me. I, I'm not going to go through that work. I'm not doing that. I'm just as comfortable up here. I know I can't see anything, but I can hear it. I'll know who wins at the end. And it's like God is saying to you, get up. I've given you this great seat. All you have to do is walk down and sit in it. Like, what do you mean I have to walk? We were talking in our our pre-service huddle this morning about how, like, it was kind of funny about driving a car without cruise control. Well, if I have to drive more than, like, an hour on an interstate and I don't have cruise control, I I get a cramp in my leg, right? Like, I can't even imagine the idea of having, and I was sitting there thinking to myself, that's how I would look at it. And then I'm thinking, what if I had to walk 300 miles somewhere? A car with no cruise control would be amazing. But because I know cruise control exists in my car, used to have it, the idea that now I have to drive without it is mind-boggling to me. I get a cramp in my leg. My back starts to hurt. I can't even function. And I think, what does God think of me when I'm that? What do you, you can't get up and walk to the place I've set aside for you. You're too lazy to just walk there. And sometimes, church, unfortunately, that is where we find ourselves, isn't it? And I'm not here to fault you. Because I try every week when I get up here to be real with you so that you see in me that I'm a broken person just like all of you. And when I'm telling you that God wants these things for you, he wants them for me and for you and every other person. I'm not up here judging you. I'm not up here faulting you. I'm trying to encourage you and challenge you. Be a contributor and not a consumer. Don't just consume all the time. Don't just sit around and look at all the things that are wrong and then call the pastor and tell him everything that's wrong. Say, pastor, I see these things that need help. What can I do to help? Shock. 
Amazement and awe. Here's another one, last but not least. Some of you are seated in sections like fear, regret, shame, pain, sickness, torment, bitterness, resentment, all kinds of things. Check your ticket. For real. Check your ticket. Look at the seat that God has saved for you and ask yourself the question, why am I choosing to sit here? Why am I choosing to sit here? And part of us, the reason why is because Satan is a powerful foe. Satan is very powerful. And he knows how to get a seat in the emotional seat in your brain. He knows how to do it. And you, unfortunately, are pretty weak compared to Satan. You just are, as am I. We have no natural defense against him. But we serve a God who's powerful, more powerful than Satan. And God says, I've saved you a seat. And what we have to do then is say, okay, God, well, then I need your power to get me up and go sit in the seat that you have saved for me. But instead, what we choose to do is we choose to say, well, I don't really know. I mean, do I really have time to do that? Or the last time I tried that, somebody did this or somebody said that or they treated me this way or this thing happened and I'm done, I'm out. Or I was, I had a bad experience in the church when I was young because let me tell you something. I had a bad experience in church when I was young and for a lot of my early adult life, I didn't want anything to do with the church. Some of us get in that place and so we know about God and we really, it's not that we We don't love God, but we have an issue with, like, the whole religion thing and the church thing and the whole Christian thing, right? And so we say to God, I'm not going to sit in that seat you reserved for me because it's just too much work to get there. I don't want to have to put up with this. I don't want to have to put up with that. I don't want to have to deal with this. And it's like God is sitting there saying, if you could just see past all of that to what it will be like when you sit in your seat and you get to enjoy the view from here. But we don't allow ourselves to do that. We allow ourselves to get so overwhelmed by the walk that we miss the opportunity to go sit in the seat and enjoy this amazing view from a God who's all-powerful, who gave the life of his son Christ to pay for that seat. And every time that we allow another emotion to take that first place in our mind, Every time we choose to sit underneath our circumstances, every time that we choose to sit up in the nosebleed seat, we're basically saying to God, I just don't care that you paid that price for my ticket. I'm perfectly happy just sitting here. And I wonder at times, how does that God make feel? How does that make God feel? I'm not saying that God will look at you and say, Well, wait till the day of judgment, Junior. Okay? I'm not saying that's how how God looks at us, but I am wondering at times, how does God feel when I look at him and say, no thanks, I'm perfectly fine up here. How does God feel? Because I know how I would feel if I spent three grand on a ticket and my daughter looked at me and said, yeah, thanks, but no thanks, dad. I would want to wring that little neck, right? Right? Now, obviously, I wouldn't, for those of you who are getting ready to report me to child services. Clearly, I would not actually do that. 
But there's a part of me that would want to do everything I could to make her miserable. Just don't tell me no if I buy you a $3,000 ticket and you sit in the nosebleed. We can avoid all of that, right? So church, my message for you today. You can sit under your circumstances or you can sit on top of them. You get to choose which emotion you're going to let sit in that emotional seat in your mind. And God has saved you this amazing seat from which to not only endure life, but to engage with life. And he says to you, just get up and walk to the seat. Right? Endure the walk to the seat. I'm not saying it's going to be easy. There's going to be jerks that are going to spill popcorn and all kinds of stuff on you along the way. But when you get there, Man, it's going to be amazing. This is the greatest seat available. And I bought one for you. And I want you to sit in it. That is what God is saying to us. Would you pray with me, Heavenly Father? Lord, we thank you for the sacrifice of Christ that he paid for this seat for us. That in your word you tell us that you're going to raise us up and sit us in this heavenly place. Lord, today I pray that all the people that are here have not heard my voice, that this is not about me, but God, this is about you, that this is about us as individuals, the prayer being, Lord, that we would recognize the price of the ticket, the value of the ticket, and we'll do whatever we need to do to make sure that we're sitting in the seat that you've reserved for us. Bring us back safely as we come back here again. Thank you for all that you do for us. Thank you for all that you do for our church. May you bless all those that are here, even those that are not able to be here today, Lord. Give us your peace. Lord, not that we, not that you eliminate all of the circumstances we endure, but that you give us peace, the ability to sit on top of them. We love you and praise you. We ask all of this in your name today. Amen. Thanks for being here. Hope to see you back next week. God bless you. Have a great week.